here today to worship with us. I'd like to welcome, before we dig into the next line of what is known as Lord's Prayer, I'd like to welcome some special guests this morning. Um, Harold and Deborah Bullock are here. Harold has been uh, a mentor of mine for over 30 years, which makes me feel old. Uh, but from the very beginning, I, I moved from California. I'm native Californian. Went to Fort Worth, Texas to really get under him to be a part of his church there to receive some training and get ready to go out and plant what was to become Church in the Valley. And he's been behind the scenes giving advice as I've asked him. He, he's never stepped into forces advice on me, but as I've called and asked, he's been very faithful to help and give perspective and guidance and He's made a tremendous amount of investment in me and my family and then also in the congregation. And so we're really glad. Would you, would you two stand? <clears throat> Deborah has uh, written the gender-based curriculum that we're going to be doing in the next year. And so she, she, in many ways, has been contributing, but uh, that is one way that we're going to really find blessing in her, her work and labor over that over this next year. I think it's really going to be helpful for the kids and, and all that. There's also a new layer that most of you know about to our relationship. They are my son's in-laws. <laughs> and so that makes it fun. That's pretty cool. And we also have, what happened is, through the ministry there in Fort Worth, guys like me got some training there, and then we went over uh, out to different parts of the country. I think it's, just to be conservative, over 60 churches that are around the country that have been planted out of that church. And um, so what, what's happening this week is we have a team, a, a mission team from Hope that has come out to serve us and to serve in this area, and I'd like to ask you guys to stand if you would and say thanks for coming and welcome you here. Some of you guys may recognize one of the members of the team especially. Um, That's my son. He's come home on a mission trip. (laughs) he's having a rough go of it Uh, but they were originally going to go to Mexico they were going to go to a a city in Mexico that was a lot of things were happening to Americans then they shifted to another city and then with the health concerns they decided to come out here they're going to serve half the week with us and then they're going to go to Huntington Beach where another church has been planted out of hope that's a part of the hope network that we're a part of in Huntington Beach, they're going to help them with some things. They they have a building, and they're going to work on that. So we're we're really grateful that you all are here. Looking forward to the week. Um, I've been doing this message series, and we're looking at the the lines of the Lord's Prayer. And my goal has been to encourage you to pray. That really is my goal, and to give you some helpful perspective, possibly, and handles for praying. We've been digging through and looking at the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Je- Jesus was asked by one of his disciples, it records in Luke, another book in the New Testament at the beginning, a biography of Christ. He was asked 
for to be taught. One of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, pray in this way. And he laid out a pattern for prayer. It's a little different than the one we've been looking at in Matthew 6. But in that prayer, he gives us a pattern or a template for our prayer life, for our prayers, for our conversations with him. Prayer is a conversation with God at a heart level. Jesus did a little teaching before he lays out the prayer in Matthew 6, and he shows us in that that it's not a religious activity that you use to get leverage with God or to twist his arm to get him to do what you want, but it's a conversation with him where you invite him to show you how to live and how, how to do life that he's given you. So the prayer starts just by way of review. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, acknowledge who you're talking to. This is our Father. If you've committed your life to Christ and decided to follow him as Lord, then you become a part of his family. And so we recognize that. He's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We enter his presence with praise and thanksgiving, Psalm 100 says. And so, hallowed be your name, God. Holy is your name. We want to honor you, give you the honor that is due your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to set our heart. As we talk to God, he's teaching us to praise him, to honor him, to worship him, and then to set our heart on his purpose, his kingdom. God's put us here, and once you come to know him, he uses you to advance his cause wherever you are. We're on point for God in our neighborhoods, in our work, wherever you find yourself in our families. We're on point. And so he wants to use us to help other people come into the kingdom. Uh, He's the king of a kingdom that is really the rule of God in the hearts of men and women. And so we, we want to help other people come to know him and let him rule because there is good stuff inside the kingdom. Scripture says righteousness, peace, and joy, uh, just to name a few. So we, we are to pray to get our hearts set, not to drag God into what we want done on the earth, but to to ask him to use us, to get our hearts set to be used by him to do what he wants, to keep. This, this is actually how you get connected with God. You connect with God when you say, okay, I've been going my own way, I've been into my own thing, and I'm going to turn around from going my own way, and I'm going to set my heart to follow him. I'm going to admit I've been in rebellion and I've sinned, and I'm going to turn around now, and I'm going to Follow him as Lord, as my king. You become a kingdom citizen when you make him your king. That's how you get connected. That's actually how you stay connected with God. Because all through our weeks and day, days and weeks and months, and as, as we face different challenges, conflicts are going on, things are happening, as we face those things, we have a choice again. Okay, do I, do I act the way I want to? Or do I set my heart on God's purpose? Do I surrender my wants, my desires, my wishes, and set my heart to do what God wants? 
So we get connected with God in the first place, and then we stay connected with him by, by continually, moment by moment, giving our situations and circumstances to him and setting ourselves to be used by him. Last week, we looked at the phrase, give us today our daily bread. In, in this part of the pattern, the template, Jesus tells us to bring God into the ordinary details of our life. He's, he's interested in every detail of our life, not just the religious life. In his mind, there is no religious life. He, he wants to be a part of everything that's going on. And when we say to God, I've got it, that's all right, God, I've got this part, I can handle these things. What we do is we wall him off. We wall him off from that portion of our life. So Jesus teaches us to depend on him, to make it a habit of taking our concerns and our needs to him. Whatever is coming to mind you're thinking about, concerned about, God, would you do this? Would you work through this? That helps tremendously with anxiety as you just offload your concerns on him. God, here, here's, here it is. I'm just... I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm not quite sure what's going to go on here, but I'm going to trust you with it. As you learn to do that, it, it really helps you deal with anxiety. In, in the phrase of the prayer that we're looking at today, Jesus teaches us to develop, to develop a habit of forgiveness. Uh, both getting forgiveness from God and giving it uh, to other people around us, to the people around us in our lives. Matthew 6.12, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The word forgive in the original language is originally written in Greek. Greek. It, the word forgive is literally to send forth. And it has the idea of we let it go. We release it. We send it away. When you forgive someone, whatever they owed you, for the offense, that debt, that obligation is erased. They're no longer bound to you by that obligation. That's what it means to forgive. Uh, we're not going to make them pay anymore. And we will not use that offense against them in any way, shape, or form. Because the way we're wired, when somebody offends us, we want them to pay. There's a sense of justice that's in our, our hearts and minds, that we know that when there's a wrong done, somebody should pay. There's a debt there that needs to be paid. Well, when you forgive someone, you release the debt. You let it go. You don't make them pay any longer with cold shoulders, harsh words, any kind of action that you take to make them pay. That's a brief summary of what forgiveness means. What forgiveness doesn't mean is it, it doesn't mean that the pain is going to go away immediately. It's sort of like a you get a big gash on your leg. You go to the doctor. He stitches it up, and then he binds it up. He puts some bandages around it. It's, it's doctored, but the way pain works is it's going to take a little time to heal and go away. That's, that's the case. When we forgive someone, the, the consequences, you know, the, the forgiveness is granted, but the consequences remain. And so uh, we just need to keep that in mind. 
We shouldn't expect the people who forgive us to just go back to, to normal. I'd prefer that personally. Whenever I've done the fence, you know, hey, come on. I asked your forgiveness. Let it slide. And well, it's going to take probably a little while to get, get, get over it. Um, forgiveness doesn't mean that we will forget what happened. Uh, you may not forget. So, some of us have been hurt. We've been hurt deeply. And we may not forget what has happened. But what it does mean, as the offense comes to mind again, I will not nurse it, I will not rehearse it, and I will not let it blow up into something more as I go through my life. I'm, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to send it away. I'm going to leave it to God to judge what's going on here. We, we, will, we will not forget what happened, but we're not going to let it settle in our hearts and minds. We're going to deal with it as, as it comes up. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we should pretend the offense didn't matter. Someone always absorbs the cost of debt when an offense is, is made. Uh, someone pays. God paid our debt of sin, the scripture says, in Jesus Christ. He, he paid our debt. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. When you forgive someone, you absorb the cost. And if you know the Lord Jesus, you've been forgiven. And he, he, he gives you the strength and the help. And he puts his spirit in you and, and starts moving you toward forgiveness and uh, taking care in that way of your relationship. Just letting it go and, and dealing with it. Uh, it. It doesn't mean that things will be the same as before. If it's a little thing, yeah, maybe pretty much the same. But if there's, if there's a hurt uh, that's happened, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the same as before in, in a couple of ways. First of all, by the grace of God, things could be much better as you move forward. That's been my experience. As I've wrestled with it, finally got to the point, okay, I've blown it. I need to go, I need to go ask forgiveness. I, I, I need to get this straight with them. I go to them, and God brings healing. And the relationship gets better. And one thing that happens is trust begins to build again. Because when, when you're offending people and not paying attention to it, they are. And so when you admit your sin, you know, I've blown it here, finally they, they realize you've come to your senses. <laughs> and they can trust you more. And so that's, that's one of the things that it means. By the grace of God, things could be much better than it was. And then if there's a pattern of hurt that's gone on over a period of time and you tend to be damaging people or people tend to be damaging you when you get around it, there's some serious things going on. Well, forgiving doesn't mean that trust has been restored. So there may be some things that you need to do to protect uh, yourself or some things that somebody else needs to do to protect themselves from you. But things will not be the same before, and they don't need to be. They can be way better, and we need to be wise about the way we handle these things. Jesus is saying, make it a habit to get forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Sin has piled up a mountain of debt to God in our lives. From perspective of Scripture, 
since God made us, it's only right that we obey him. That we, the, the made, should follow our maker and bring honor to him and glory to him by doing what he made us to do. But scripture also tells us that we've decided to go our own way to do our own thing, live life independent of God. And so our rebellion builds up a mountain of debt that we owe to God. When we turn from our rebellion and admit to God our sin, when we ask forgiveness, forgive us our debts, he erases the debt. He pays for it. Someone has to pay. Someone absorbs debt. He pays for it through Christ's death on the cross and the salvation that he brings in that way. So Jesus is encouraging us to make this a habit, this forgiveness thing. Why? We're the kids. He's the father. Why? Why should we make this a habit? You know, when kids get around two heading toward three, that becomes a very important question in their vocabulary. You know, why? And uh, parents becomes a question that they deal with constantly. And so what, why should we build this habit of forgiveness in our lives? First of all, it's a high priority to God. It's a high priority to him. The prayer begins, our Father. And God wants things to be right between his kids, just like parents do. It's, it's, there's a lot of tension. There's no joy. It's not good when the brothers and sisters are fighting. And that's, that's how it is with God. He, he's our Father. He wants things to be Good and right between us. In fact, Jesus, a little bit before he laid out this prayer, in the same message, the Sermon on the Mount, he said this about how important this is to God. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What, what you find here is God wants our hearts and our obedience. He wants things to be right in our relationship more than he wants our gifts. Here's the picture. You come to worship, you're going to bring an offering to God. You're at worship and you remember that you've offended someone. You drop what you're doing, you leave, and you go get it straightened out. Jesus is telling us what's important to God. Our relationships and having right relationships are very important. They're very high on his list. Getting things right is a high priority to him. It's how parents are. You know, we, 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 we appreciate the gifts, but if there's struggles between the brothers and sisters, then um, hopefully it's not landing close, the helicopter. <laughs> um, we're... Uh, <clears throat> We, we, we appreciate gifts, but if, you know, your child is wrecking havoc in the family, you'd much rather them to be seeking peace in the family than bring the gift. That's how God is with us. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So this, this is an important way that we make it a habit. Also, it's important to make it a habit because this is the way that we stay connected to the Father. Psalm 66:18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So when we admit our sin, when we turn around for the first time and admit our sin to God 
and accept Christ as our Lord. Um, we, we are um, forgiven. We will not have to pay for our sin in eternity. We're brought into the family. We're a part of the family now. But still, sin blocks our relationship to him, to God. And it causes trouble in our lives in different ways. So Jesus tells us to do a heart check as we pray. Ask God to show us sin. I wouldn't wallow there because God can communicate. But to, to pray it over, think it over, and ask God to show you your, your sin. And do a heart check. And get the sin straightened out with him and with others around you. This keeps the lines of communication clear. If we refuse to forgive others, then that refusal comes between us and God. So we need to get forgiveness by asking him to show us if there's any sin we're hanging on to and cherishing that we need to let go of. But then we also need to give forgiveness. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Um, if, if we're unforgiving, if, if we're unforgiving of the people around us, we've grossly miscalculated the debt that we owe to God. Jesus tells a story about this in Matthew 18, 21 through 30, 35. It was in response to another question. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Seven? You know, seven times you can count them. There's one, there's two, there's three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we're done. Not forgiving you anymore. Jesus says, no, not seven times, seven times 70. So 490 times. People aren't, what he was trying to do is get it out of the realm of counting, the possibility of counting. You know, if, you're, if you've got a little book and you persist to 490, he, he, was, he was saying, just look, keep forgiving. This is what you need to do. And then he told the story. And I'm going to recap the story for you in Matthew 21 or 18, 21 through 35. A servant of a, of a master had a master who, whom he owed 10,000 talents to. Servant owed 10,000 talents. That's millions of dollars in our day. Maybe even into the zillions. But for instance, all of the taxes collected in the region of Judea and Samaria that were sent to Rome at the time, 600 talents during a year. So this servant owed 10,000 talents. To his master. Well, the master called in the debt. The servant couldn't pay. And the servant didn't, didn't have the wherewithal to make that kind of money and pay. So the master ordered that the servant and his family be sold into slavery. So that he could, to be sold, he was already in, in slavery, but to be sold so they'd pay the debt. The servant throws himself at the mercy of the master. Please, please. Don't do this. You know, I'll, I'll figure out how I can pay. And the master has compassion. The scripture says he's moved to compassion for the servant and he erases the debt, lets him go free, doesn't sell him to pay for the debt. The story goes like this. The, the guy was leaving that conversation, that transaction with the master, and he runs into a fellow servant who owes him a 100 denarii. Lunch money, basically. Not very much. And he says, hey, I need, I need the money back. You know, remember I loaned you money for lunch the other day? I need it back. 
Well, he didn't have it. And the servant who had just been forgiven 10,000 talents puts this guy in jail until he can pay him back the lunch money that was owed him. The master hears about that, and he says um, to the servant, I'm okay, you obviously missed something here. I'm going to put you in prison now until you can pay me back, which, which didn't, didn't look good. Jesus wraps up the story by saying, this is how the Father will treat you if you refuse to forgive your brother. This is a very serious matter, forgiveness, getting it and giving it. If we're unforgiving, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been forgiven your debt by him, if you're unforgiving in the way that you relate in your decisions to forgive or not with the people around you, you have grossly miscalculated your debt to God. You haven't understand, you haven't understood how much you've been forgiven by him. And unforgiveness messes up your relationship with God. And we need to get that straightened out right away. We need to start working through to get to give forgiveness. Another thing, if we make forgiveness a habit, then we're protected from the ruin of bitterness. Hebrews 12:15 says, "See to it that no one misses the grace of God. No one miscalculates their debt that God paid out of his love and kindness and grace in Jesus Christ." See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Left on its own, weeds grow in your garden and they, they, it, it ends up so the good stuff's not growing anymore. All you see is the weeds. They're taller. They're crowding out the good stuff. And you can't get to the fruit or whatever you're trying to grow. And that's how it is in our hearts. Left, left. On its own, the weeds of bitterness and resentment will take root in our heart and they'll crowd out the good stuff and eventually overtake it. And so when you refuse to forgive, the weeds begin to grow. So Jesus is trying to help us here in this prayer. Make it a pattern of forgiving. When we're hurt, someone, someone injures you with harsh words, they leave you out of the plans they have or... They break a promise. You pick the offense. You're injured. You're hurt. The hurt can turn to anger, which is ill will that, you know, you just want them to pay. You're angry. You know, there's a, there's a normal aspect of anger, and then if we let it settle, it just, we want, we want them to pay. Because they should pay. They hurt us. And, and then, if the anger sits there for a while, it turns into resentment which is a deep-seated ill will that begins to settle inside. It takes root, and the resentment becomes bitterness. And bitterness is a very painful, intense animosity, resentful animosity toward another person. Like a cancerous tumor that goes unchecked, the longer you let the, the anger settle, turn into resentment, become bitterness. The longer you let it go, the harder it is to reverse its effects on your system. So what Jesus is saying is, in this template of prayer, he's teaching us to make it a habit to let, to let it go, to forgive, and to get forgiveness.
on a daily basis, we do that. So it doesn't overtake. So this root, this bitterness, the weeds of bitterness and things don't overtake our relationship with God and other people around us. Now, how do we do that? How do we make forgiveness a habit? First of all, confess your sin and ask God to forgive you. That's what Jesus is telling us as well. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The word confess means literally to say it with, to agree with God that you were wrong. Now, my heart, in my heart, it takes me a while to get there sometimes. Many times, if, 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 if I'm really upset about something, it, ta- it takes me a while. I'm very good, and I'm pretty sure you're very good at justifying your actions. I, I had jury duty Friday, and this is an example of how we, good we can get at justifying our actions. I had jury duty. Last day I could possibly get called in, got called in. So I went to jury duty. I parked. Uh, the, the sign said, Jurists are supposed to park, jury members are supposed to park on the third floor, third level of the parking structure. So I go up there and didn't notice the yellow line. I parked in a line where I didn't notice the yellow line there that said Metrolink commuter parking. So I went in. I had a lot to do. I was trying to finish up some things. So I was working and the orientation was going on. I'm listening to the orientation. She says, if you parked in the section where the little yellow line is, you're going to get a $48 ticket, and at break, you'll want to go move your car. Well, I thought, I, I didn't see a yellow line. I'm, I think I'm okay. And I went out uh, after I was released at 1130 or so, rejoicing. Thank you, God. I'm free. And I would have been glad to serve, but I was also excited that I didn't have to rearrange the next week of my life at that moment. Uh, that's what God had for me then. But I got to my car. There's a bright green ticket. And it's, it's bright green. It says parking ticket. So, I, you know, I run up. I take it off real quick <laughs> so that the people around me won't notice that I was the stupid guy. I'm the only guy in that in that line. And so what immediately starts happening is I'm thinking, I'm here to do my civic duty. And now I owe $48. And so as I'm driving down the the, the parking structure, getting trying to get out of there. In my mind, I had to fight justifying my actions. I wanted to call somebody and just say, can you give me a break? You know, I was here. It was an accident. I didn't mean it. But I finally decided I just needed to work myself back to, Randy, you blew it. You weren't paying attention. This was your fault. And it is very hard to get to that point. But it's very healthy as well, because that could have bothered me the rest of the day. Finally, I just said, okay, I blew it. I'll pay the money. What can I do? God's, you know, God's going to provide. He'll make up the money, you know, <laughs> and I'll just trust him with it. I, I, but, boy, it was a battle, and that's how we are. We can justify ourselves. And for me, I, I just have to go before God and wrestle with it and say, okay, I've blown it. This is how I've done it. That's what it's talking about here. You get to the point where you say, okay, God, that's right. You're right. We offend someone. We sin. God convicts us of it. And we wrestle to the point, okay, I agree with you, God. That was wrong. And then you do what you need to do. You you ask God for forgiveness. You go make it right and ask forgiveness of those you've offended. Jesus wants us to make a pattern of this. Secondly, 
If you want to make a a habit of forgiveness, refuse self-righteousness. This is the way self-righteousness sounds. I can't believe they said that. How could anybody do such a thing? I I would have never done that. Truth truth is, not, not so fast. You could have. Pride is a major barrier to forgiving others. We, we won't forgive if, if we don't admit we could have done the same thing. Because in our heart of hearts, there is planted the seed of all kinds of evil. And it's by the grace of God that we have not gone down a path where we've done some horrendous things in this world. We, we could have all done the same thing. Humility is a key to forgiveness and forgiving others. Luke, Luke 18, Jesus told another story. He told it to those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this story, this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, real religious guy, looked great on the outside, did all the right things. And the other, a tax collector, despised by the people around him because he didn't just collect taxes that were owed to Rome. He tried to get as much as he could for himself. So he was a despised person. Jesus is telling the story with these contrasting characters in it. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the way it works. We humble ourselves. Whether you're doing the right things or not, what's more important to God is that you humble yourself before him and you show mercy and good kindness to the people around you. Thirdly, uh, a way to uh, grow in this habit is to be kind and compassionate. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. The word compassionate means, has the idea of um, a tender heart, and it carries with it Tender heart that you, you feel with the people around you. You begin to consider what they're going through and what they're experiencing. When, you, when you've been forgiven this mountain of debt by God, it should melt your heart and soften your heart to where you, you show kindness and compassionate, compassion to the people around you. The Holy Spirit in you, if you follow Christ, is going to be moving you toward forgiveness. And we, we learn to cooperate with him as Jesus commanded us to do. Fourth, trust in God's purpose for you. It's a way to get past some things. We know in all things God works for good with those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn born among many brothers. We get burnt by someone, and then we begin to burn inside. And we, we're angry, resentful, because we've been ripped off. They've taken this opportunity away from, from us. They've wasted this. They've damaged us or whatever it is. 
But God can take that hurtful thing and weave it into his purpose for our life. So one of the things you do is you burn it. God, I'm going to leave that to you to judge. I'm going to trust this to you. And I'm going to let you weave this into your purpose for my life. There's some next steps that you could take as we wrap up the message this morning. One of those may be to memorize Matthew 6:12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, just to remind us to make this a habit. Another thing, maybe, maybe you're struggling with forgiving someone. Don't let the wound fester. Because if you let wounds lie and fester in you, what happens is you become a, a very disloyal person. You, you don't stick to the people around you. Because what happens when you have a wound and somebody comes close? Don't, don't, don't touch it. Don't get close. So ask God to, for, to help you forgive, to get past that and, and forgive. And then maybe your next step is to make it a habit. Uh, to seek forgiveness from God and from others around you. You haven't done that as a pattern, and you want to decide to make that a habit out of what Jesus has said. And then finally, uh, maybe your step is to take to make it a habit of being forgiving, of giving forgiveness. Scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we do that. We please our Father in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for... The truth we find in Scripture, God, I am so grateful for the mountain of debt that you have forgiven on my part and on our part, those of us who are here. Thank you for what you've done. Help us, God, to to really calculate correctly, not to miscalculate what you've done and miss your grace, but help us, Lord, to know it, and to keep that in mind as we relate to the people around us. Give us a heart to forgive. Give us a heart to be honest and confess and wrestle, not justifying our actions, but help us to to step out, to take responsibility for our own actions, to seek forgiveness and give it when it's needed. Lord, we ask for your power to do this because that's what it takes. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.